Okay, you guys, let's be real. Getting yourself and your kids dressed in the morning, is this a constant battle? Yes. Do we need to make our lives easier? Yes. So I'm going to tell you about something. Stitch Fix is a way to now get style for the whole family. Stitch Fix is an online personal styling service that delivers your favorite clothing, shoes, and accessories directly to you. And now we can get it for our kids. That's right, new kids boxes. They offer sizes 2T through 14. So get started today at stitchfix.com slash kids slash the lucky view to try Stitch Fix with a no styling fee and get an extra 25% off when you keep everything in your box. That's stitchfix.com slash kids slash the lucky few. Hey friends, welcome to episode 32 of the Lucky Few Podcast, where we are shifting the narrative by shouting the worth of people with Down syndrome. This is Heather, Mercedes, and Micah. And we are so excited to have you join us today. We're one week into our new version <laughs> of the Lucky Few, a seasonless non-season where... We're not editing this stuff out, friends. It's the seasonless, non-season, nonsense season. <laughs> okay, but really today's topic, um, everyone's going to need like a drink of water or a glass of wine or like a hand to hold. Not really. Well, maybe. Um, but we're talking, we're taking on a topic today that is tricky to say the least, but it's also super important in our community. Um, and it's every, it's in the news a lot right now. So sit back or sit up uncomfortably possibly and join us today as we discuss abortion and down syndrome. Welcome to the lucky few podcast. Okay, ladies, we are going to talk abortion and Down syndrome. It's all over the news. Um, people reach out to me a lot about this conversation, yeah. this topic. It's layered, to say the least. Um, yeah. It's personal. It touches. It can touch a real sensitive cord for a lot of people. Um, people feel very strongly one way or the other. Usually, it's an it's a pretty divisive conversation, and we're doing it, friends. We're doing we're it. Doing so. It. I think I want to start by telling our audience um, that the three of us, we've been talking about this and we recognize that we all pretty much sit in the same camp. Mm -hmm. We all have very similar convictions and ideas. And so we recognize in this conversation with three people who feel very similarly about it, that it might seem biased, but that's not our goal here. We're not trying to convince anybody of anything. We're not trying to be right and say some other thinking way of thinking is wrong. We just want to have an open conversation. So if you're listening, please know our heart there. And if it starts to sound biased, it's just because, um, we all enter this conversation with what we know and there's a lot we don't know. And we all enter it with our own experiences and therefore we all have blinders on. So we're trying to see past our blinders. Um, but we also, all three of us, we're not going to be like arguing with each other necessarily. Not that this is about argument, but we just have the same opinions right, and that's right. just and random really. Yeah. I think it's important for us to say too, that we are like from the same kind of socioeconomic world right. as well. So middle class, upper middle class, like we're, living in California. I, there's just so many things that are, and we've all, 
we all have a Christian faith that mm-hmm. informs mm-hmm. how we see the world. And we, we like recognize this is not a faith podcast and sometimes, but, but the way we see the world is really influenced by that. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, I mean, this is such a tricky conversation, but mm-hmm. we want all of you to know that, um, we are, we're coming at this, um, hopefully as thoughtfully as we can. Mm-hmm. And we really want to hear back from you too. Um, but we want more than anything for everyone who's listening to um, feel seen and and known as much as possible. Definitely. Mm-hmm. And we and with that, knowing that people who are listening, some people have had an abortion and that's affected them positively or negatively or not at all. Some people have considered seriously considered up till the last minute that they were able to under the law to have an abortion because of a Down syndrome diagnosis. And then they're holding their baby and there's emotions there. Um, you may be listening to this right now with a new diagnosis and that's really a serious possibility for you in abortion. And so we're not trying to, again, not trying to tell you what to do or not to do, not trying to push our beliefs on you. Just recognizing that saying it all up front, because it might seem that way at some point in the conversation, just because of where we're at in our own convictions. And it's a good conversation just to have in general, especially if you're not, if you're going through this and you're not able to have that conversation out loud, hopefully this conversation mm. just makes you listener out there, whoever you may be, um, think otherwise or think, I don't know, just think, keep yeah. thinking and not yeah. feel alone yeah. in any kind of decision or thought process. It's just a good conversation. It's a needed conversation in our community. Yeah. So yeah. let's, let's start talking about that. So, um, does someone have any of those stats pulled up? I, I realize I don't have them here in front of me. I do. Okay. I have some stats in front of okay. me. Let's talk. Cause it's right now we're in the news a lot with this. There's mm-hmm. certain States that are trying to say, um, totally ban abortion based on a down syndrome diagnosis. Mm-hmm. And, and that is a big thing happening in the pro life pro choice conversation. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Micah, give us some, Give us some things that we know. Yeah, here's some stats we found. 67 to 85% of babies born with Down syndrome in the U.S. are aborted. Well, okay, this is not babies born with Down syndrome. (laughs) (laughs) Not born. Not born. (laughs) 67 to 85% of babies diagnosed with Down syndrome in utero are aborted. Um, The population of people living with Down syndrome in the U.S. has decreased by 30% but it's a much higher percentage in other countries. Um, 90%, there's a 90% abortion rate of babies with Down syndrome in the UK. There's a 98% abortion rate of babies with Down syndrome in Denmark. There's a 100% abortion rate of babies with Down syndrome in Iceland. And and we Iceland comes up a lot in conversations mm-hmm. because there was um, that, I guess it was a year and a half ago or something like that when a study came out that that Iceland was claiming to have almost completely eradicated Down syndrome mm-hmm. through termination in their hmm. country. Yes, I, I feel like those stats are staggering. Um, I, and again, our mission here on this podcast is to shift the narrative. And so I know for me personally, and then both you ladies can talk about this, when people bring this issue up to me, um, 
I get frustrated that it becomes such a pro pro life pro choice issue Mm -hmm. that it becomes solely about abortion. In my opinion, it actually has very little to do with abortion and has more to do with how are we caring for people with down syndrome? It has more to do with when you see my 11 year old with down syndrome, do you see her as fully human and fully worthy and valuable? And let's talk about her 11 breathing born, right? Or my five-year-old with Down syndrome, five years old here in this world, breathing born. Um, And if you're not, I feel pretty um, passionately about this when someone talks to me and they're like all up in arms saying like, we're fighting for the unborn who have Down syndrome. That really means very little to me if they're not fighting for the born who have Down syndrome. And so it's so much less about abortion in my opinion. And I get frustrated when the conversation goes to abortion and pro-life. Um, because if you're pro-life, my stance is then you're going to be pro my kids right now. So what are you doing right now? Those who are angry about all these laws and who are fighting hard against them. Um, the, these laws being the being able to terminate a child with down syndrome at any point in in need of diagnosis, excuse me. Um, what are you doing right now for my kids who are alive? And the answer is usually nothing. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that frustrates me. Mm-hmm. That frustrates me. <clears throat> well, I think, and I do think that what you're saying is, is so right on Heather, that we as a culture are stuck in our camps mm. and it is really, really hard for either side to see the other as fully human. Mm. Yep. Um, it's really hard. And I grew up in, in pro-life circles. Mm-hmm. And I never heard people talk about the pain and suffering a woman goes through when she has an abortion. Right. I had a, a miscarriage um, before Ace was born that was like so emotionally painful and um, and overwhelming. And then I went in for my DNC and um, it's essentially the same kind of um, procedure that happens in an mm. abortion and I it was painful I was emotional I was crying and um and I had this sudden realization like this is what it feels like to have an abortion and my heart just grew so much toward women who go through that because um no no matter like how we see that abortion that choice is a really hard choice. And um, and I think it's so important for people in the pro-life camp to, to recognize the pain that women go through and what it is that puts them in that situation mm-hmm. of feeling like this is the only way forward, whether it's poverty or an abusive relationship or fear or, um, you know, there's, there's a lot more than kind of that general narrative of uh, abortion is the general narrative that can be in pro-life communities of like abortion being selfish. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and I think that it would be really amazing if both sides could just be radically pro-human toward each other and toward our, like what it means for a baby to be born, you know, to have that conversation. Um, so yes, that, what you're saying, Heather, I love that it's about so much more than saying, yes, these children with Down syndrome should be born. It's also has to be about what are we, what are we doing 
to um, be pro children with Down syndrome. Mm -hmm. Pro people with Down syndrome. Yeah. That's right. That's mm -hmm. right. Yeah. Definitely. Oh, do you, me? you want to add right now? Oh, um, <laughs> I sometimes get caught up in listening to you, wise no, women. That's fine. You can say, you can say, <laughs> not I'm yet. I'm here. Um, <laughs> no, I was just sitting back and thinking about even just because coming onto this episode, knowing what we were talking about, I was nervous because I, and I was telling the ladies before we started recording that I'm okay sitting in the gray. And I feel very uncomfortable taking uh, such a hard stance on something. Mm -hmm. And because, um, and I love your words that you used, Micah, I'm pro-human. And I understand that everybody comes from a different place. I appreciate the freedom of thought and the freedom to be able to make choices and the freedom to act based on how you, how your own beliefs and um, I guess worldview, um, takes you and then Heather, how you made it more or highlighted how we're talking about specifically down syndrome right. in abortion. Um, and when I focus on that, it was easier for me to take more of a stance when it comes to people with down syndrome. Also because I've, um, participated in adoption right. and, um, just with, um, and this is a little part of Sunflower's story, um, which I don't even know is too personal to share. I'm not too sure. So I, I, the, one of the very special things I cling to that I have is, um, a letter from Sunflower's birth mom. And in her letter, there's a part that always stood out to me because I think Sunflower was saved for me and Andy so that we could raise her. I'm going to cry. <laughs> was that um, she says that she thought a higher power saved Sunflower because had they had known, they most likely would have aborted mm -hmm. Sunflower. And um, I, I feel like that means something to me. As a person, as me and Andy decided to walk into adoption willingly mm -hmm. um, and praying that whole time, for possibly an unborn child. We just had this inkling that we were praying for our unborn child and to meet Sunflower and have that little peace. I'm so thankful that um, Sunflower was protected. She is so mm -hmm. valuable and she's such a light and she has a, she's a self-advocate <laughs> without realizing it at five years old. Yeah, she but, is. But <laughs> um, she just has so much value and now I see that and... Um, that's why I want to change the narrative about why I feel like a person with Down syndrome is or does and can have a fulfilling um, life with purpose. Mm -hmm. And um, I want to help people not make this decision of abortion um, not make it in fear or in the falseness that they are doing a person with Down syndrome a favor. Mm -hmm. I feel mm -hmm. as though it's easy to say that when you have never loved or come into interaction with a person with Down syndrome. Mm -hmm. right. Because yeah. it is, and I do believe that um, it can be scary to be like, do I want to walk alongside that person with Down syndrome? Mm -hmm. Because that seems scary to me. And that seems 
um, it just seems scary and mm. unknown. Okay, what would that look like to then make another scary choice to give that child up so that somebody else who wants to is willing to walk alongside yeah. them? Yeah. So yeah. I just, um, I love to be able to speak as a person that would say yes to somebody's child with Down syndrome. I mm. see them as worthy and there's other people out there like me yeah. who does and who would love to raise and walk alongside a person with Down syndrome for the rest of their life because they are worthy. They will live with purpose. Yeah. They have lots of value and they will kick ass in this world. That's right. Explicit. we got to add the E. <laughs> Actually, I don't know if you do for that word. She went there. I know. Mercedes. Quote Mercedes. <laughs> right. Um, Mercedes, I, that's such good content. I have two. I want to okay. talk about two things with that. So first, we have other stats here that we found um, in researching for this about the val the um, how life is for people with Down syndrome and those who love them. Do you have that up, Micah? I didn't. Um, yep. Okay. Yep. Yep. Let me see. And then I also want to talk about the adoption piece. Um, so will, let's go back to that. But let's talk. Okay. Let's let's say real quick what we found in our research yeah. about what it what stats say about living with Down syndrome. Because a lot of times people do choose to terminate because they're like this person will have a miserable life as will everyone around them. So right, and that is based just on what they have heard culturally, right, or Correct. experienced in their lives, um, which is what we're changing, y'all. Mm -hmm. um, so this is a study from the American Journal of Medical Genetics. And the researchers surveyed about 284 people with Down syndrome, ages 12 and older. So 99% of these people with Down syndrome said they were happy with their lives. 97% liked who they are. 96% liked how they look. 86% indicated they could make friends easily. And only 4% expressed sadness about their life. Um, the same researchers published another study where they interviewed over 2,000 parents of, of children with Down syndrome, and they found that 99% reported that they loved their son or daughter, 97% mm. were proud of their child, 79% felt their outlook on life was more positive because of their child with Down syndrome, and 4% regretted having them. Mm. And then there was a stat about that there's research out there talking about people who don't have down syndrome and how happy we all are with our lives and we need to find that and we'll link it. We'll have links to all of these. Yeah. Okay. Um, because it, I've done, Oh man, I wish I could find it right now. Sorry, everybody for my not being as prepared as I should be, but it was staggering. Like for the general population who don't have down syndrome, when you ask the question, are you happy with your life? It's, it's like the opposite. It's way like, more than 4% are <laughs> right, like right, bummed about right. life. Yes. 90% would say no. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it felt like <laughs> that's exactly what I was thinking is that it would be the opposite mm -hmm. it, like of how our friends with down syndrome think. And, um, and I've always talked about this within our circle and, um, I know parents have shared this thought too, of like, when you get that down syndrome diagnosis so early on, you go straight to the negatives as parents, mm -hmm. we can't help it. We go straight to the negatives. We don't get that forewarning with any other child unless they have yeah. a diagnosis. So you can give birth to what seemingly looks like your healthy son or daughter that can grow up and completely ruin their own life. Right. And it can be yeah. constant 
terrible behaviors on other people or on themselves and addiction, um, murderers. I mean, like, I just feel like I went into murderers, but I just feel like you don't, um, I don't know. I just get, I get scared for my friends with Down syndrome who get that label right, right off the bat. And that decides whether they're good or bad, worth it or not. And then we are just born. We have no diagnosis, but you have no idea what your child right. is capable of. Right. right. If there were addiction prenatal diagnoses, right. diagnoses, mm-hmm. if there was like selfish meanie pants, yes. right. you know, asshole, creepy, Sorry. yeah, yeah. just keep saying the word. people, yeah. you know, like you, right. what would right. you do? Right. Yeah. Well, and, and this is, so I had, I wrote an article, um, a year or so ago, um, in response to in the in the Washington Post, one of the opinion editors had written a piece that was titled what was it titled? It was by um, Ruth Marcus, and it was called "I Would Have Aborted a Fetus with Down Syndrome." Period. Women need that right. Um, and and so in this thing, she's you know she's sharing basically what we are talking against. Like she's like sure you love your child for who she is like sure like you will accept it if your child with down syndrome or like if your child is born with down syndrome but like you know it's life altering and this would be my choice um and i wrote this response and and in my response to it i i talked about how down syndrome is like the only thing that you can get a prenatal diagnosis on i mean i this kind of not the only thing but like these genetic kind of conditions. Right. And, um, you know, what would happen if there is one day a prenatal diagnosis for autism or, or we go even deeper, right? Like there's a prenatal diagnosis for whether or not your child will have artistic skill, whether or not your child will be a, a, you know, top 10% of intellect, Mm -hmm. whether or not your child will be LGBTQ. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. I had that conversation with my friend, Jeff, who's gay. And he was like, that terrifies me. Mm. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of parents in our culture who, if they were given a prenatal diagnosis that their child would be LGBTQ, mm. would choose to end that pregnancy. Right. And I think that's what the conversation should be about. And, um, and just like what Heather was saying, how it gets st- stuck in this tricky, like pro-life, pro-choice camp, instead of being like, Hey, who do we who do we decide is is right. what sort of human is desirable enough? Right. right. What sort of human is is good enough? Mm-hmm. And where do we draw the line? And do like who gets to decide that? Right. And that's where it becomes actually this isn't an abortion conversation, right? This is right. a that's where it is. This is a humanity conversation, mm-hmm. and it's I talk about this in my new book, Scoot Over, Make Some Room. There's a plug. And I talk about um, <laughs> how people right away when they get a Down syndrome diagnosis at birth or in utero and, and choose to carry full term like this, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, right? This idea of I'm sorry <laughs> and how we're saying we're looking at a tiny life and, and deciding what that future is going to be like. And that's so wrong. You can't look at a newborn child and decide right away that there's something negative or something to be sorry about in the future. Like what? what are we thinking here, friends? That's, there's no way to know. And the amount of moms I've talked to, and Macy was in this category who have kids. So they're like, yeah, they're, they're not going to make it past 
a few months old or maybe they'll make it a couple weeks and and then they've got these adult children or these young children who are totally healthy you're like wait a second who decided that it's okay to stamp kids as or to stamp newborn babies as uh, like with the i'm sorry that fill in the blank Mm -hmm. it's like wait a second we don't know we don't right. know what their future is going to be. Right. Yep. This is yep. this is BS. It's guesses. It is. We call it. We call BS. We call BS. We call BS. I know. This, and, yeah. Well, I was just going to say that that article that the the editor at Washington Post wrote. Um, what really really pissed me off in it was how she she kind of goes to tries to go to this like understanding that people with Down syndrome are valuable too camp but she says like oh yes we know that people love their children with down syndrome we know that people with down syndrome can um can make friends easily and can be well loved in society we know that they're just so darn cute she says Uh, uh, seriously uh. something like that and i feel like so that that either side like that side's not human either right you know that's that is seeing our children as a caricature. Yes. They're worthy only for their cuteness or for like the shallow positive feelings their life gives to all of us neurotypical folks. And, um, and so like deeming a life valuable because they're happy or cute is not only like shallow, it's super dangerous. Yeah. And, and so it's both sides. Like it's about humanity and the fact that we all come into this world with different needs and different gifts. And we just on one side of the aisle have have deemed like which gifts are are worthy and which gifts aren't. Right. And and like, yeah, that's that's what happens when we don't see each other as human, when we just right. see each other as um, performers right. or correct as. Yeah. As an yeah. idea or like you said, as a caricature. Yeah. And that yeah. is that is so dangerous about Down the Down syndrome population we're at camp still right now as we're recording this and we have i've had numerous people say to me oh yeah people with down syndrome are they're like i love it they're just so loving and so kind and like the great at making friends and i'm sitting here thinking of mason and mason's amazing and such a rad human and really bad at making friends (laughs) and she's probably when you want to like talk to her there's a good chance she's gonna be like "Eh, no get out of here you know like she's not gonna hug you because she doesn't like to hug um, yeah. but she's also super smart and really intuitive and she's good at reading a room and she cares deeply about people and she gets mad and she gets frustrated and she shuts down and she has fun. Like, it's like, yeah, you, it's ridiculous that that whole idea of people with Down syndrome, they're just so sweet and cute and loving. Like they're puppies. Yes. yes. Like they're yeah. cuddly puppies that it's just, yeah. Again, the dehumanizing. Right. Yep. Of the person with Down syndrome. Right. Because like in Mason's case, so she's not those things. So what? Now she has Down syndrome and she doesn't fit the caricature. So she's right. extra not worthy of life. Like what? Right. what right. Are we... And she's 11, right. still growing right. into exactly. her personhood. She's like a tiny human, friends. <laughs> right. I mean, I'm 37 growing into my personhood. So right. let's not put a cap on that when they're at us like in utero. Let's when not cap that. diagnosis. Yeah. Oof, makes me so mad. Um, yeah. I want to go back real quick and talk about the adoption piece. And I think that it fits into this conversation because, and I've talked to this Mercedes and I've talked about this a little bit, um, in the past, but I, 
as an adoptive mom with two kids who the only reason an adoption plan was created is because of a down syndrome diagnosis. Mm. Um, so one of my children, his birth, his or her <laughs> birth mother is, is a single mom, but would parent a child without down syndrome at the time of his birth. And the other is two parent home. So both of my kids with down syndrome have siblings who don't have down syndrome being parented by their birth parents. Um, and I've seen how we have a relationship with both families and I see the tragedy and the brokenness that is happening in their lives. Um, with aunt, like there's an extended family as well. It's not just a birth mother. Um, there's siblings now who are dealing with this. There are aunts and uncles who have a loss. There are grandparents who have a loss mm -hmm. and there's so much loss there. And, um, in the adoption world, there's a lot of people who want to adopt kids with down syndrome. You know, you hear about like, there's like a waiting list. Um, and you can talk about it more Mercedes with your experience. Cause you went through the down syndrome adoption network. Mm -hmm. Um, ours were both uh, totally at random, but I, th I would like to also in this conversation say that we also need to get to a point where adoptions aren't created solely based on a down syndrome diagnosis. Like as mm -hmm. much as I'm so thankful that I got to adopt my kids with Down syndrome, I would like to see Down syndrome adoption stop as well if it's solely yeah. based on a diagnosis because it's, it's a similar conversation in my opinion. It's similar mm -hmm. to a terminating. What you're doing is saying, I, I can't raise this child because of their diagnosis without having all the knowledge of what it, what it means to raise that child. And I only have close ties to the two um, families, but like I said, to see the brokenness that is exists there that's not going away for dozens of people that could have been avoided, you know, like all of that could have been avoided. Um, and again, I'm so thankful it happened, right? I, I got the better right. end of the deal here. Right. But what do you think about that? Like that we, if we're saying let's shift this narrative that we're also saying, I would say that we also need to say we should have less people choosing adoption plans. Mm, I don't know. I'm, I'm worried about that. Yeah. Oh, I love this. What do you, what, what worries you? <laughs> <laughs> I get saying, excited we're because we're friends. So it's healthy. <laughs> we're in the same room and we're just about to fight. Oh, I love I'm just it. Kidding. No, we're just kidding. We're not. Um, I would have to sit with that a little bit longer, Heather. I'm, I'm hearing this for the first time. <laughs> no, we've talked about this. I know, but we haven't talked about, um, that part. Well, I like that there is a plan because I like that a, a family and I know what you're saying, I think, but I like that a person can find out the diagnosis and be like, okay, I'm not ready for this and that they have an option and that there, what there are people that are like, Ooh, I, I really want a person with down syndrome in my life mm -hmm. so that both need to exist sometimes to make both happen sure. to make it happen. Yeah. yeah. I think that it's, super important. Like yeah. I don't want to do it. The only I'm saying if we're shifting the narrative, then people are choosing, they're not choosing an adoption plan because they see more clearly the like, full humanity of their child with down syndrome. Yes. That the birth mom and, and dad, um, can say I'm okay to be scared about my child having down syndrome, right. but I'm so excited right. about my child because the, the narrative is, is because, more clear yes. and, and because our society is holistically treating people with down syndrome right. with worth, like caring for them once they're born, not right. just in utero. And then right. you avoid all the brokenness. That's so I, the long-term goal. Totally. No, no, I, I'm not saying let's do with it. 
at all. Right. I'm saying let's shift this narrative so much so that everybody chooses to parent their child with Down syndrome. Right. Who right. can, like if right. they're in a healthy place. Right. 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 Does that make more sense? Yes. Okay. And you can still disagree or think about it. We don't need to agree, but I'm not <laughs> saying do away with Down syndrome adoption at all. Yes. Or I do want to affirm people who do go into adoption specifically for a person with Down syndrome totally. that that's okay. Oh, a hundred percent. And that a parent deciding not to keep their child based on the Down syndrome diagnosis, that that's okay. And that if you, I feel sad for that person and I feel, um, like I would want to show them. That's why we have our social media accounts, right? We want to show yeah, that's our why whole we're doing this, right. families right. Um, that we're doing things. We're out there. We're happy. And of course, things aren't easy. Um, but none. Sunny is my only child with a diagnosis, um, and my other two children are just as hard. Exactly. <laughs> and they are yeah. typical, exactly. yeah. neurotypical children. Right. So I get. I I get that part. Um, but yes, uh, I, like, I think like, I just where, need you to yeah. break it down for me more, yeah. Heather. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. all. Where we stand now, like as as this moment right now, where we stand, like yes, let's let let's let exactly what you said that a yeah. woman choosing an adoption plan do that. Like let's not have shame in that, and a family wanting to adopt a child with Down syndrome do that. But I like I've talked about before this vision I've had of when a woman gets an in utero diagnosis in her doctor's office, walking out, like high-fiving, like I get a kid with down syndrome, like to get to that point. I think that's for me, that's a lot of why we're doing the work we're doing and not that it's not all cupcakes and butterflies and unicorns. It's so freaking hard. I get that. But you, but like we're saying with all of our raising kids are hard, your neurotypical kids are harder. My mine is too. And that women that we just get to a place as a culture yeah. where down syndrome is not seen as negative. And if that's the conversation, if that's the narrative, then there would be less termination solely based on a downstream diagnosis and adoption plans right. wouldn't be made solely based on a downstream right. diagnosis. Right. Um, right. And we're not there. And so right. for the women listening, we're not trying to put shame out there. Right. I just think the adoption conversation for me personally feels like it's in the same category, not saying don't do it, where I would say, please don't terminate based on a downstream diagnosis. Let's take it full term to adoption. Mm -hmm. But my first choice is let's take it full term to parenting. Like you can do this, Mm -hmm. right? Or or a mother choosing adoption plan that, that I a hundred percent will come alongside. There's no shame. Mm -hmm. But, and I said this to my son's birth mother, you can do this. Like Mm -hmm. you should, you can do this. And she still chose not to. And I'm so thankful, but I see the brokenness there too. The right decisions were made we're all where we are. There aren't regrets, but I think she has said this to me. If she could go back in time, she wouldn't choose. She would choose to parent. Mm-hmm. So that that's heavy. You know, that's, that's heavy. Really heavy. I, I thought of two things when you were saying that Heather about, um, first, the first hurdle when a in utero diagnosis is given, um, it isn't high fived the doctors so many times, totally. so many times our friends, our mom friends, and fathers have told us the first option they were given was termination. It's like expected. It's expected. Yeah. So I feel like right off the bat, you're like um, fighting for your child without with all the emotions <laughs> that you're feeling in that moment. And you're trusting the doctors and nurses and their opinions. Right. And then maybe your families. So it is, I see, I can see how for some women, and men, it's a, and I want to always, inc- I always want to include the men too. Cause I totally, feel absolutely sometimes in abortion, 
I get I get a little sad that it's um and maybe this is controversial but (laughs) I get I get sad for the fathers who don't have a choice too I don't know Ooh. Oh. right in tell Uh-oh. me what you think but Uh-oh. i get i just want to i it does take two to tango <laughs> so i just um i think about the dads too yeah um anywho uh, i just see the hurdle and if you don't have a lot of family around you if you don't have a good support system how easy it is to fall into the thoughts of what your medical team is telling yes. you and that's so horrible and so sad and that's them taking advantage of their power in that moment mm-hmm. over a vulnerable mom I mm-hmm. think. And also, and also the doctors not also, they're not aware, you right. know, totally. so right. these doctors who automatically are going to that are also people who probably don't have someone with Down syndrome in their life. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I think too, we need to think about, and I don't think you can have a conversation about abortion without talking about um, just every other thing that affects life mm-hmm. in general, which is like race. Mm. and socioeconomic status and what your what your life looks like and if it's safe and if you're working three jobs to take care of your kids right and um and i think that that's something that also doesn't come into this conversation a lot when a a mother who's living in poverty is given a down syndrome diagnosis and thinking like how can i afford this child there's and you know i look at Obviously, there's a lot of government help that we all have with our child, our children with early childhood intervention and, mm-hmm. you know, the, what's available in the school district. But so much that has come for ACE has come because I have had the space and time to advocate for him. Right. right. And because I'm in, in a safe place financially and um, I was able to take time off from work after he was born and yep. just focus on his early childhood therapies for three years. Yep. And, and that, you know, even him being in the kind of classroom that he's in happened because I threatened a lawsuit to the school district, not because, you know, he's in right. an inclusion setting because I had, I was financially in a place where I could feel like I could threaten a lawsuit, right? right. you know? Yeah. And, and I just like, there, there is so much that I just think we need to state that like raising a child with Down syndrome is beautiful and wonderful and just as hard as raising my other kids and also at the same time has re- like my having time and space yep. mm-hmm. and money and resources and family that cares and a husband that's supportive. Mm-hmm. Those have played a major, major, major role. They're huge. Yeah. And so, um, so yeah, 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 and so I'm totally, um, like what you were saying, Heather, about hoping that, like, the best possible scenario, right, is for a mom to want to, to get this diagnosis, to know that it's not the end of the world, and to be able to raise their child with Down right. syndrome. Right. Um, but I think we have to acknowledge, like, sometimes women are making those choices um, to put a child up for adoption or abortion because they, they feel like they don't have the support. Totally. Mm-hmm. totally. And, and that's where this conversation, when people, um, who are advocating so strongly, I'm not going to say advocating cause that's too kind of a word. People who are like, <laughs> so 
fighting so hard to make it so women can't terminate in a diagnose in a neuro diagnosis, right? Like creating laws that saying, if you get a Down syndrome diagnosis, you can't terminate. Look, I'm not, I'm all about kids with Down syndrome going full term and, and being given life, but we can't just do that. So like, if you're like what you're talking about, Micah, let's look at a single mom, right? Like if a single mom got this in your diagnosis with a congenital heart defect and their kid's going to be in the hospital for a month and they're, mm-hmm. they're the sole breadwinner and there's other kids at home. And right. then what, what are you supposed to do? Like, yeah. how do you do that? How do you do that? How do you even put food on the table? So then all that energy that people are putting into creating a law that says you can't terminate uh, or you, yeah, you can't terminate if you get in your diagnosis. What if you take all that energy and put it towards some, like something to come alongside people, yes. right? And yeah. say, Hey, we're actually yes. going to take all of this energy. And instead of creating this law that ends right there, there's no follow through once this child's born. Mm-hmm. That's right. Let's take all That's that right. energy and say, Oh my gosh, we're going to create a single parent program so that any single mom who gets an in your diagnosis instantly has this phone number to this nonprofit, to this human being who comes alongside with the funds. You know what I mean? Like it's so possible. There's enough money out Mm -hmm. there. There's enough people out there. There's enough energy out there, but it's being put towards this one issue. Right. And again, friends, it's not an abortion issue. It's a whole life issue. Right. Right. And if parents, like, let's say then you look at a parent and I can think of people who have contacted me who are like, I'm, pretty sure I'm going to terminate. Tell me why not to, you know, Mm. and, and they are too, too income, you know, like affluent and able to care for a child, no matter what, have the resources and the support systems and all of that. And if that person even can look into the world and go, Oh my gosh, look at all these job opportunities for people who have down syndrome, right? Like let's take all that abortion energy, put it towards job opportunities, like mm-hmm. put it towards programs to help people with down syndrome to live independently, put right. it towards transportation. Yeah. I mean, there's, we could list a hundred things that people with down syndrome need more yeah. like the most, I'm not saying more than anything. Like let's start there. Let's make these right. things happen. And then we'll talk about the abortion conversation. Right. But right now I'm not even going to talk about it because the energy needs to be put towards creating a world Mm -hmm. and a life for my kids with down syndrome who are born to have opportunities to be seen as worthy, to be seen as valuable and we can do it, but the energy is not being put there Mm -hmm. and it obviously frustrates me. And I, yeah. preach. Pre- I love I'm that. dropping my microphone now. Yeah, Cause I yeah. feel like you spoke on how, if we did look, change the narrative, right. shift our thinking and our voices, and our energy, moms and dads will feel less alone and they'll hopefully feel less fearful. And I think those two things, a feeling alone, a feeling like, okay, what is this going to mean? Like the whole world's going to be against us and my child like right. this is what I think would be easiest. Right. But if like you're saying, change that whole narrative, change the whole shifting of thinking of how us as the world is going to come alongside that person with down syndrome. I mean, that would be so powerful. So powerful. Radically pro human. Radically, Radically pro human t-shirt. Oh my gosh. <laughs> okay. That one's mine. <laughs> um, so we're, we're entering into our 40, into 40 minutes friends. So we're going to need to wrap this up, but it's a hard, I don't know. I don't know how to wrap this one. I know. Uh, I could go on forever. Good news. Wait, what? Good news. <laughs> let's, let's bring it back to like that. How 
wonderful and amazing our children with Down syndrome are. Yeah. And how every day is another chance for us to um, live out that we believe their lives are valuable and show the world yeah. how valuable they are. And we had a rough morning with Mason. So I also want to say, yes, she's wonderful. But if you're listening and you're like, my kid is actually really hard and challenging, that that's okay too. And mm-hmm. they're still totally valuable and worthy of life. Mm-hmm. Right. Wonderful, wonderful, easy, fun, hard, challenging. It's all of it, friends. We're going to hold it all with you. Mm-hmm. We're going to hold it with you. And we, we would love to hear from you on this episode too. Like mm-hmm. if you want to send us messages or whatever, wherever you're at, um, we're here for you. That's what we're saying. The three of us are here yep. for you. Mm-hmm. We can keep this going. I know. <laughs> I know. So we're going to, we are going to transition to hearing a word from our sponsor. There's just no appropriate way to transition out. So here it is. I mean, Mike has started in the, Here comes a word from our sponsor and we'll be back with some good news. All right. We are back and this is the time of the episode where we love to share about the good things our kids are doing, the big, the small and everything in between. It's time for, let's see you, Micah. Good news. That's good. That's good. Taking it low, taking it an octave lower. just gets weirder and weirder every time so good um okay good news what do we got merce give us I some good news a conflicting good news Ooh. so <laughs> you know how we celebrate every little opportunity or like every little inch of independence our lovely children with down syndrome have yes but it's sometimes those independent gestures are kind of like mm, i don't know about that so sunflower <laughs> bless her loves to eat and so now her independence thing in the morning time she wakes up before any of us likes to go down to the refrigerator and opens the refrigerator and gets out a carton of blueberries and will down that carton of blueberries and then you yeah which it's like i see where this is going i love that you got your own (laughs) snack and instead of getting me so i can sleep in a tiny bit longer you went and got it yourself what a problem solver you're cute but um, I don't want her to do that. <laughs> I want her to get a bowl out, maybe put like five or 10 blueberries in there and then put the whole Costco carton back. <laughs> you hear me? Um, so, uh, an opportunity for teaching an a teachable moment. Yes. Sunny May. So I love that she's doing that, that she wakes up. She's like, I want a snack. I'm going to go get that. I, I love that. She did, does that. Um, now we got to rein it in and put some parameters around. That. There you go. Put an alarm on that refrigerator door. Well, we did a, a lock, <laughs> which I feel is extreme. <laughs> but um, at five thirty in the morning, I just can't. So we have to lock it up at night. Yeah, you need to create for a, her safety. For her safety. Yeah. You need to make a social story. I'm all about social a stories. Social story. And we have a social story from Macy about transitions and what that means and what that looks like. And at the end of the social story, it says. Sometimes I need an extra minute and I can say I need a minute. And when my minute is over, it's time to transition. And so two times at camp, we're just going to celebrate the good times here because it's good news. Mason, I could see her start to like get in a rock brain, like uh, where where we're losing her guys. And she looked at me and she said, I need a minute. And then I said, that's great. And I said, and after a minute, we're ready to go. 
and twice that worked. So I'm going to celebrate this. <laughs> <That's so great. laughs> how many so times? Out of how many I'm times? not saying out of how many because <laughs> this is good news. Twice that worked. Perfect. Sweet <laughs> me. She's the best. <laughs> Mike, good news and good news, babe. I do. I feel like I'm starting to. Uh, Ace has kind of been because he's not communicative. Not not very communicative. I should say, mm-hmm. if he does communicate in different ways, but he a lot of times has just been like a, a guy who'll just go along with whatever I want him to do, yeah. and um, it's been boy. really easy on me. But uh, I feel like he's starting to get an opinion about things, <laughs> and I love that. I mean, it's hard; it makes life a little harder for me. But uh, this morning, I was like, "Okay, it's time to sit on the potty," and he grabbed the iPad he wanted to play. Or he actually wanted to watch a show. And I was like, we don't have time for you to watch a show on the potty. But I'll let you play Balloon Pop. He likes Balloon Pop game on the iPad. And um, I turned it on for him. And he was sitting on the potty. And he threw the iPad across the bathroom and went, na, 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 na. <laughs> and I was like, way to go. Yes. Thank you for telling me that you don't want to play this game right now. And you aren't getting anything else. But thank but, you for the info. But I am so proud of you for telling me your opinion. Yes. I love it. So I'm really happy that he can say no to me now. That's and he's so been good. saying no to other people too. So we'll see where it, everybody's got to learn how to say no sometime. Totally. It's an important skill in life. That's so good. So good. Well, friends, we, as always, we want to hear from you too, for your good news. We know your kiddos are doing awesome things, big and small all day long. So if you want to head over to the lucky few podcast.com and you can find a phone number there that you can call in, you can text it in, you can email it in. There's so many options. So head over lucky few podcast.com. And that's going to wrap up our episode here this week. So Big, humongous thank you to our editor, Andy Lara, who's in the room. Andy, shout out. Hey-yo. That's a good one. Um, Our producer, Val Schleider, our sponsor, and all of you who have shared the Lucky Few podcast with friends who have listened faithfully and cheered us on. Our amazing sponsors make this podcast happen every week. We're so thankful for them. If you or your organization are interested in supporting the work we do here, please reach out to us. We're always looking for some sponsors. And then don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Um, It helps other people find us and it helps us shift this narrative. So as soon as you're done listening, go ahead and do that, please. It means so much to us. And then remember that you are dear listener out there supporting your loved one with Down syndrome, that you are a shouter of worth and a narrative shifter. So keep on keeping on. We are cheering you on and we'll see you next Monday on the Lucky Few Podcast. Bye. 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 See you later. Thanks for listening to Lucky Few Podcasts. Remember to review our show on Apple Podcasts and check us out on all social media at the Lucky Few Pod. You can also support the show now via anchor.fm just by going to the website, scroll down to the bottom, and you can begin your support right now. Lastly, send us your good news by going to theluckyfewpodcast.com and sending us a message via text, voicemail, or email. See you next time.